We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. For those of you who are trying to work out where I'm from and how much, have a seat. Uh, you know, how does everything relate? I was born in Singapore, uh, raised in Malaysia, but Indian origin from, my, from the 1930s. I was not, I'm not that old, my grandparents. And, uh, but Aussie citizen for the last 30 years. So proud Aussie in a lot of ways, but then really I didn't know whether I was an Asian who lived in Australia or an Australian with an Asian background. Messed up confusion as the world gets more grey and beige and randomly mixed. And then my wife, who's a proud Kiwi, she's born in New Zealand. She was born in Wellington. I think she was in Dunedin a few years ago uh, for something. And, um, and uh, she's, half, she's Kiwi, but she grew up in the Philippines. So she's pure white Kiwi, but then she grew up in Asia. I'm Asian, but I grew up in Perth, Western Australia. So we really are pretty sort of uh, messed up. And then we've got two kids. Uh, I think we've got a picture of them up there somewhere. And the two boys are Zeke and Caleb. They are 11 and 7. So they are really uh, amazing young, young men. And, uh, and um, they've sort of got three-eighths Kiwi in them. So that should be good enough for everybody here. Um, and, uh, and, and really, uh, as, as Pastor Sam sort of introduced us, um, I didn't really set out to do this. I was a lawyer by profession. I went to university, did law and commerce, and I worked as a lawyer for five years. And then uh, I felt the Lord called me to serve in a local church. There was no burning bush, no angels, no trumpets, nothing crazy. And uh, it literally led to me laying down my career to serve in a local church and went to one quarter of my salary or one third of my salary. I was single at the time, so that, was hel- that helped because I didn't have to ask for permission. And, you know, my bills were still quite low then. And, uh, and you know, I served in a local church. After three years, I was quite discouraged and I wanted to quit because I didn't realize that... Um, I was just naive. I had no idea that, you know, pastors are people too with, with challenges and problems like everyone else. Uh, and uh, I wanted to quit. And then I had an encounter with God. And in 2005, September, I called that my burning bush. And I felt like I got saved again. But more than getting saved again, I actually uh, realized God was calling me to Malaysia, which is crazy. Um, so I, and, and Pastor Sam and uh, a handful of other pastors actually believed in me enough and, were, and, and actually sowed into us in 2006. Well, me. It was just me at the time. As I went to this, I sold my house in Perth, which was, you know, uh, bold move, bought a one-way ticket to Malaysia, which is an Islamic country, without a visa to plant a church. So it's either God or stupid. <laughs> and uh, 13 years later, 14 years later, uh, amazing things have happened. So we're very humbled, we're very blessed, but really some of the seeds started in New Zealand because of what Pastor Sam Monk and the whole equippers and acts. I don't know who sowed, but somebody sowed. And as a result... Uh, it's just an honour to be here and to share what I feel God's put on my heart. And uh, we've had a great few days, but God always continues to build the momentum. So I hope you're ready for something. Uh, I had on my heart the story of Zacchaeus. Anyone know the story of Zacchaeus? My version goes like this. Zacchaeus was a very little man and a very little man was he. He climbed up to a sycamore tree for the Saviour he wanted to see. But when the Saviour passed that way, he looked up to the tree and said, now Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house for tea. Now let's read the Bible for the more official scriptural religious ones. Luke 19, this is the story. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus 
who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. This is before Corona when people could gather. Um, so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's just pray. Father, for these few moments we have, speak to every heart, young and old. Lord, those who have just newly, new on the journey and those who have been here for a long time, for the people who have driven from a long way and those who live right in the middle of town. Father, I thank You that You have no favourites, but everyone here is a candidate to have a touch from heaven, that tonight we leave different to which we came, that God, we, didn't, we don't just gather for the sake, but we gather to see Your face, to, to feel Your touch, so that something would change, something would shift. And Lord, we we thank You that Your Word would have personal and profound impact in every heart tonight. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Zacchaeus, the name Zacchaeus means pure. His life was anything but pure. He was a crook. He was a thief. He was hated because he was ripping people off. And you read the story of Zacchaeus and you could be forgiven for thinking, well, lucky guy. Jesus happened to be in his town and he sort of waved his hand, picked him out of a crowd and wow, he goes from crook to philanthropist. He's given away half his money. And he's returning and restoring people who've... From crook to philanthropist. For most of us, that's a 10-year journey with baby steps and lots of accountability. For Zacchaeus, it's one day. He had, we would be fair to say, an encounter. Anyone came for an encounter tonight? See, Zacchaeus' story serves as an invitation to every one of us, no matter who you are, that no matter how messed up you are from your destiny, his name means pure, but he wasn't living his name. See, in Bible days, your name was your nature. That's why when your nature changed with, with an encounter, your name changed because your name was prophetic. In our world, names are just to, to, to distinguish us from the guy next to us. So Sam, me is Sam, and, and Jason is Jason, right? And Willie is Willie and Desiree and, and Mark. And we just got labels. So when I say your name, I'm distinguishing you from someone else. But Bible days, your name was just not a label. It was your very nature. So Zacchaeus, maybe in the early days of his mom's pregnancy or maybe in the early days of his childhood, he was called pure. He was declared and prophesied that this is a pure person. And yet he finds himself at this point of his juncture before we start this story, living anything but pure and unashamedly impure and literally away from his destiny. If you have children that are away from their destiny, if you, have, if you know people that are away from the calling and the mandate and the name and the declaration of their life, never give up because they are one encounter away from total transformation. <laughs> never, never, never give up. And Zacchaeus goes from crook to philanthropist in one day. But the reality is, 
we can read that too fast. I like to get in the story because you, when you get in the story and you put yourself in His place, you realise so much of what God wants to do in our lives is not just a magic brush of His hand, even though I would sign up for that any day of the week. What He does in, requires us to participate and we need to have a role in responding to the God who actually calls you and made you and formed you and wants to choose you. And, and really sometimes... Sometimes we can even get drunk on destiny. This concept of destiny and I'll change the world in one day. And I think that's amazing. But it seems so insurmountable. If, here's where I am, a crook. And that's where philanthropy is. Here's where you are right now. And that's where you feel you need to be. Here's where somebody in your world is right now. And that's where they should be. It, it, it seems like all the training in the world will never give me the skill or the, or, the, or the muscle to jump because destiny sometimes feels like a leap of faith, a leap too far. And yet the simplest way for me to get from here to there is just one step at a time. I don't have to break a sweat and I can walk. And so really, life is often a series of next steps. And it's not just seasonal steps in terms of months or years or even sometimes decades. In Zacchaeus' day, in Zacchaeus' time, in the story we just read, it's like his transformation happened in a day. But if you just break it down, even moment by moment, you and I have choices to make. So here's, let's get into the story for a second. Zacchaeus is at the tax office and he's thinking, which widow should he rip off, Mrs. Smith or Mrs. Jones? And he's going through the math because this is his whole life. That's how he's lived his life. And he's going, hmm, what should I do? And then he gets an email or a WhatsApp text or something and it's like, hey, Jesus parade. You want to come? So, some, some timid Christian, maybe. There's no Christians back then, but whatever. Said, hey, there's a guy, Jesus in town. Do you want to come? And, and little old Zacchaeus. See, he went from crook to philanthropist by the end of the day. But he didn't go there in one step. The first decision he has to make is, do I go to the Jesus parade? Rip off Mrs. Smith, Jesus parade. Mrs. Smith, Jesus parade. Mrs. Smith, Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't know what went on inside of him, but there was enough inside of him to go, you know what? I'll leave Mrs. Smith for tomorrow. Let's just go check it out. Maybe he went for bad motives. Maybe he went because he thought, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll find some new clients I could rip off at the big crowd. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I'm sure, maybe nobody here came for a bad motive. Nobody comes to church for a bad motive. Not true. But we, you know, we all have reasons we do things. And he took this one little step. Like if he went to rip off Mrs. Smith, maybe we don't even get the story. But because he took one step, see that the first thing we need to commit ourselves to as people is to gather. We have to gather. He was at the parade. Did turning up to the parade, did turning up to the Jesus parade change anything? Not in itself, but it was the start of a phenomenal journey. It was the start of an incredible day. It was the start of an encounter that would shape the rest of his future. Sometimes, as you heard, we just got to get in the room. I applaud the ones who've driven for hours. But you know, when you got Equip Her coming up, you got Shout, whatever it is, it's not just a shameless plug to get, but there's something that happens when you get in the room that can never happen if you're not in the room. That's why we need to never forsake the assembling of ourselves gathering together. See, there's something about gathering that is synergistic. It's powerful. You're not just in there to take up a seat. You're in the room where all things are possible. I wish I was in so many rooms right throughout history and something would have been lit in my life because there's no substitute for gathering. He, he, he probably had a bad attitude. He clearly was short, so he couldn't see. 
and he was stuck at the back, but at least he got into the room. Well done, everyone tonight, because you made the decision. Thursday night at Dunedin, what could you do? Party down the road and get drunk or come to the Jesus parade? Well done, you chose the Jesus parade. And, then, and you, might, you might have come with all sorts of different feelings and different sentiments. And it was a long drive for some of you for sure, but you're in the room. Something happens when you get yourself in the room. The enemy will do whatever he can to keep you out of the room because he'll even say, nothing will happen when you get there. Ignore him and come anyway and find out. And if nothing happened when you were in the room, that's still better than the bad thing that would have happened if you were not in the room. Just gathering. Everyone say gather. See, gather is God's heart. It's family. It's together. One puts a thousand, two puts ten thousand. There's something about gathering. Zacchaeus did not did not sort of you know uh, get slain in the spirit and and become a philanthropist after this simple step, but he put himself in the room. I want to encourage you. Whenever there's an opportunity in Dunedin or wherever, listen to Auckland. Apparently, it's just a long drive and a swim, and you get there, and then you got to drive again, and then you got to get to Auckland, and before you know it, we'll be there. So listen, whatever wins you need to do, let's make sure even in regional meetings, connect groups or e-groups, whatever you have here, whatever opportunity you have to gather, take it. It doesn't matter what church you're from, what background you're from, let's gather together. But then here's the second thing that happens. He gathers and he realises he's short, he can't see anything. And so you know what he does? He climbs a tree. Here's another step that I think all of us need to take. And that's a step of hunger. See, you could be the Jesus parade, feel short, feel inadequate, feel unable and leave. Do you know, I worked out the math probably a few years ago, and I can't remember what the number was, but I think I've been to over 3,000 services in my life so far, and I'm not that old, despite how I look. I'm not that old. That's a lot of Jesus parades I've been at. But the real question is, how many of those services was I hungry at? Because, because you can come to church every week. You can come to the gatherings every week. But God does not come to those who are in the room. He comes to those who hunger. Let, let me put it another way. He does not come to the empty. You might be empty in your life. That does not attract God. He doesn't come to the empty. He comes to the hungry. So if you're empty, turn that emptiness into hunger and it draws him. God does not come to the dry. He comes to the thirsty. There's a difference. If you're dry, you should be thirsty. But I've met people who are dry who go, you know what? I don't need God. And you could be in the room. Jesus. Now, you could be, you, you, Zacchaeus could have been in the Jesus parade and he would have been forgiven for going, well, at least this is better than ripping off Mrs. Smith. So, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Baby steps, you know. But there was something in his heart that said, since I'm here, we need a since I'm here spirit every time we come to church. Whether you're in Invercargo, whether you're in, uh, in uh, what's the place, uh, just north here? Mosgill near the airport. That's a, that's a, some nice places out here. Man, I've got to admit, if you're going to be in the room, if you're going to be in the room, we should have a since I'm here attitude. If you came all the way, it's like, God, I've got to get something from you. I've got to do whatever I've got to do. And you know what climbing a tree represents? Hunger. It takes desperation. You know, people ask me about hunger. I get asked more about spiritual hunger probably more than anything. And I don't know that I have the answer. I don't know that I know what the key is to staying hungry for God. But I know hunger for God works the opposite for hunger in the flesh. In the natural, when you're hungry, you eat. And then you're no longer hungry. When it comes to spiritual hunger, when you're hungry for God and you feed on His presence, you get more hungry. It's the opposite. In fact, 
when you, when you starve yourself of natural food, you will, be, you will get very hungry. But when you starve yourself of God's presence, you actually lose appetite. There's something about, and you know, he, he didn't just get hungry. He put his hunger on display. I don't know what it was like to climb trees. I'm not a tree climber, but he's a tree, 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 tree climber. But he, he, he's a distinguished man. Now he's hated, but he's distinguished. He's a tax collector. He's got a title. He's a big deal. His Enneagram said conservative. And yet he climbs a tree. How uncouth of somebody that is of standing. In fact, he shouldn't have wanted to be seen because he's a sinner. It's not like he was the holiest and he thought, I need the front row. He actually did whatever he had to do to get God's attention. Can I encourage you, not only tonight, but every time you choose to gather in the room, I'm glad you chose to gather. I'm glad you chose to be in the room. But since you're in the room, at least be hungry enough for God because God will touch the hungry, not just those who are present. Because we can sing the song, but our hearts are not in it. We can say, you know what, I'm, I don't know if anything's going to happen. But if you're in the room, climb the tree. Look at the neighbour you prefer and say, climb the tree. I don't know how many meetings I've been at. Like I said, it was the, the guess is over 3,000. But, but, you know, I can count probably... I think, I like to think that I'm hungry. In fact, you know what I do? I, I, I give myself a tick because I came. And yet what God is looking for is once we're gathering. See, that's why I believe there is something powerful about driving, even if it was a couple of hours, even if it was an hour, because there's an expectation, a stirring, a desire. It's like, God, I don't go this far for Nando's. I don't go this far for anything. If I'm coming this far, it's because I need a touch from you. I want an encounter. Change the crooked parts in me and make me what you always designed me to be. God didn't touch Zacchaeus because he was a good boy. He was anything but, but he rewards hunger. Don't say I'm too bad to climb the tree. In fact, it's because there are areas in my life and your life that God needs to touch, we need to be hungry. The worst thing we can feel is content. Oh, well, I'm pretty good actually compared to her. You know what she's been up to? Do you know what they've been up to? I've actually had a good life. And what that does is it kills your tree climbing appetite. Because you see, they're going, yeah, let's see what this guy's got. Sort of. Indian immigrant, let's see if you can do anything special tonight. I drove a long way, you better have something good to say. You know, we can get so self-righteous and miss out on what God wants to do because at the end of the day, you're in the room, which is awesome, but if we're going to gather, we might as well hunger because hunger gets God's attention. Jesus catches his eye, he catches Jesus' eye. Jesus looks at him and said, Zach, come down. Now, 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 now he, he had a choice, he didn't have to. He could have gone, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm a bad guy. I just came to get a view, talk to someone else. Like, you don't know who I am. Zacchaeus had, a, had an awkward choice to make. And, and, and really, the, the, the third key, I guess, to an encounter in Zacchaeus' day, this is all in one day, by the way. I'm just breaking it up here. It's little steps, but they represent sometimes how God draws us bit by bit. The third step is to obey, to obey. See, sometimes you can get in the room you can even climb the tree. You can get involved in the actions. You can do all the stuff. It's when God tells you to do something that actually is the key to your breakthrough. It's the key. So, you know, I remember 
this would be going back about a year. I remember one day the Lord said to me really clearly, because I have, I've always had a thirst for God. I grew up in a very conservative background, just to give you some context. I grew up in a home where uh, we went to church, but it was very traditional. It was the kind of church where if you smiled, you got smacked for being irreverent because it was just, just different world. And then we come to Perth and it's not even a church. There's no stained glass windows. There's no cross. It's a badminton court for goodness sake. And the guys are all dressed normally. The priest doesn't look like a priest. He looks like just a guy who looks like he's enjoying life, which I did not understand. And, and everyone's happy in this church. And I'm going, this is crazy. But this guy talked about God. I'm a 10-year-old kid sitting in the front row doing overhead projectors. You don't remember what that is, but some of you do. Overhead, I'm the guy doing the slides, literally. And as a 12-year-old, this guy is talking about God like he knows Him. And I'm going... See, because the church I grew up in, God was sovereign, He's powerful, but He's far away, He's distant and He's removed. And this guy talks about God like He's intimate, He's involved, He knows, by, knows you by name, He knows the hairs on your head, He knows little old me hiding in the corner, He knows everything about me and He cares. And I'm, I'm, there's a bomb in my spirit that goes off going, I want to know this God. I get saved in that church, I get filled with the Holy Spirit, stuff happens, I have encounters. I have no desire to work for God, I just wanted to know God. God. All my family are all professionals, doctors, engineers, lawyers. The whole idea of me going into ministry was weird. They're like, why do you want to do that? You can be a Christian lawyer. Why do you want to be a poor Christian? Like, you know, they didn't understand why I'd want to give up my career. But I just wanted to know God. I just want to know God. And how many realise that when you have a hunger for God, that's wonderful. But when He says to do something, then we test whether this hunger leads us anywhere. When He says, give that up. Go forgive that person. Reach out to that person. And I'm like, no, but God, I'm hungry for you. And you know, there were, about a year ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, son, I don't want you to just have a, a reputation of hunger. See, because sometimes we, as a church, as, as different churches, different cultures, but it's like, come on, we're the passionate church. We're the hungry church. We're the excited church. And you can have a reputation for something, but it's not who you are. You, you, can, you can worship Him with your lips, but your heart's far from you. And, and I, I, I think I, I had developed the pattern of hunger. I was a professional sycamore tree climber. But really, the real test was when God said to me, I want you to go do that. I want you to give up your career. In fact, once I bought a keyboard, I used to play the keyboard and I bought this really expensive one. First year of law, I used all my savings and I bought it up. And I was pretty good back in the day. And three months into enjoying this keyboard, my first real asset purchase as an adult, earning my own income, the Lord says to me, I want you to give that keyboard away to that guy. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but God, I'll, I'll gather and I'll be hungry every time I gather. Yeah, but sometimes He'll call you to obey. And, 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 and you, you'll get somewhere with the gathering and the hungering, but until you obey what He asks you to do, it was like a nagging thing. I'm like, God, I can't believe it. You want me to get, I don't even know if that guy's any good. Anyway, I just knew, I just knew that I needed to do it. And it, I knew it would nag me if I didn't. So I, and the thing is, I just paid so much money for it. And I paid so much money for the travel case because I was going to take it to the nations. Little did I know this guy was a pastor from another country. He would need that travel case. So I took it in the travel case. I went one day to where I know he was staying. He was a pastor from another country and knocked on the door and he looked at me and I didn't know him that well. I knew him well enough. I said, don't ask any questions. I don't know why, but God asked me to give you this keyboard. He looked shocked. He fell to the floor, started shouting. I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, at least say thank you. And he, once, we get, once we get him up, he starts crying. I go, what's wrong? 
He's a pastor of a church in another country. That church that he's in doesn't have a keyboard. He'd been praying, God, I need a keyboard, but our church doesn't have any money. And he says, it was called a Trinity or Triton or something. I can't remember what it's called. It's the exact thing he was looking through a brochure and saying, God, I really want that keyboard. It'd be amazing. God speaks to a pastor in another country. I wasn't a pastor. I was a lawyer. I was, and by the way, I wasn't a very good one either. I was first year lawyer. Basically, it means you work like slave labor for the real rich guys. And all the savings I had went into one keyboard. God says to me, in the middle of all my 3,000 meetings, give that keyboard away. I'm like, no. But yet, the moment you choose to obey, you have no idea what you're about to release. His story made me feel a little bit better, but not a lot better. I was happy for him and his poor church, but really... Now it's poor me, I don't have a keyboard. But you know, the stories I can tell you in terms of the doors God opened and what He did and how He rewarded me, including another keyboard. It's not for the point of the story. It's just simply when He says to obey, when He says to do something that's out of your comfort zone, I wanna encourage you, Go ahead and do it because there's an encounter on the other side. Zacchaeus climbed the tree, he had a great meeting, but if he didn't get off the tree, his life wouldn't have been changed. Sometimes it's a simple step of obedience. Remember, my family is not big on public displays of affection. I grew up, my dad is a fantastic dad. He's always provided, he's never cheated on my mum, he's never been drunk, and he's just a good dad, but he's I didn't, not an affectionate dad, an Asian thing. Doesn't say I love you. On the, compared to me with my sons today, it's just his world. He grew up in a home where he never got that affection. So I remember one day I'm playing a keyboard in the church, in, and I'm growing up, I see my dad about halfway back there, and I feel the Spirit of God say to me, Go hug your dad and tell him you love him. I'm going, no, I'm in the middle of a service. Maybe in 2012, I'll do it, Lord. But right now, no. And I can feel it. It's just the prompting of the Lord. Half the time, the obedience is not that we're not willing to obey God. We're just not sure if it is God. True? Yeah, but here's the point. Until you get off the tree, you're never going to find out. Jesus didn't say to him, Zacchaeus, if you come down, I'm going to change your house, your genealogy. I'm going to change your nature. You're going to go from a crook to a philanthropist. I'm going to do amazing salvation. He didn't say any of that. He just said, get off the tree. And think about it. For for Zacchaeus, he just made an announcement. I'm up the tree. See, you know, when you're up the tree, when you climb the tree, and, you know, he could have started Sycamore Tree Ministries the key to breakthrough in Dunedin, learning how to climb the tree. And God tells him to do something that's the very opposite of the thing he just did. See, God has this habit of making you do things that just seem a little outside your comfort zone. And you're gonna feel a bit weird and a bit awkward and all your friends are gonna go, what are you doing? God tells me to tell my dad, I love him. We don't do that in our family. Uh, My mom did. My mom was over the top with, I love you. My dad, nothing. And I'm in the middle of the worship set. Who gets up in the middle of the band and walks halfway up the church? So anyway, it's in sort of the altar call time and and I go, I just got to do it. So I get up and I walk and I go, I don't want to do this. I can't believe I'm doing this. And I walk towards my dad and my dad's right there and he's looking at me like, why did you get off the keyboard? And, and he's looking at me and, and, and I can tell he's, he thinks I'm going to the toilet maybe and I'm just walking up the aisle and, and, I, and I look towards him. He knows I'm walking towards him. I'm not I'm pensive, I'm nervous. And he's sort of staring at me and, you know, he takes out his wallet because that's what he thought I probably wanted some money because that's what Asian parents do. And, and I'm like, uh, and, I just, and I, just, I just put my arm around him and I say, Dad, I love you. I, I feel so stupid. I didn't say that. I just thought it. I just said, Dad, I love you. He goes, is everything okay? And he starts tearing. 
And he goes, I love you too. And then he starts sobbing on my shoulder. I'm like, oh my, is that, we're having this moment in church. And I'm like, this is awkward, but it's amazing. And dad's crying and he starts apologising. You hadn't done anything wrong if I've ever done anything. And I'm like, it broke something in him. But it always takes weird acts of obedience that triggers it. See, when you say going to a Malaysian country without a visa to plant a church is crazy obedience. It starts with just little things like get off the tree, forgive your neighbour, reach out to that person, to give that person a lift, ask them, tell them about me. There's little acts of obedience and Zacchaeus had to obey. See, tonight may be the end. The Lord's telling you, come to the front or go pray for that person or do something. And you're like, Lord, what about Corona? No, don't just do it. It's radical acts of obedience that trigger encounter. Zacchaeus gets off the tree. Everyone say obey. And then, and then the fourth thing he does, and this is, this is a key to encounter. It's a key to your walk with God. He, he, he opens up his house and he opens up his heart. Do you know, sometimes one of the things that I think is getting lost in the church, more and more I see it, is the ability to receive. The Bible says in, in the, the formal version, he received him joyfully. Do you know you can't give until you first receive? Do you know that you can come to church, you can climb the tree, you can do everything right, but you have, we have to learn how to open up our heart. It's not a skill set for the Pentecostal, but there is a vulnerability and a and a receptivity that I think some people find very hard. And I'm not sure why. Maybe you feel like God would judge you. He already knows everything about you. The worst thought you have ever thought, the worst deed that till today nobody knows, He already knows. You might as well open it all up to Him because it's not like shutting it out is like shutting your wife out or your mother-in-law out. You can't shut Him out. He sees everything anyway. So you might as well open the entirety of the good and bad to God. There's something about openness that draws God in. Bible says, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and drink. We're good at coming to Him. We can gather, we can climb the tree. But do you know, if you don't learn how to come to Jesus and drink, you're like, what does drinking mean? It's putting it in. Do you know, you could die of thirst with a bottle of water right in your hand. You could be surrounded by water, but if you don't know how to drink... You can still die of thirst. You can be in revival meetings. You can come to every conference under the sun. You can come at every encounter meeting. You can come to every gathering. But we've got to learn how to drink. We've got to learn how to say, Father. And you know, that is a function of hunger. But there's an openness. There's an openness. One of the keys to, I think, the encounters that God wants to give to every one of us, not only tonight, but for the rest of the future, Take this as a key. God, open me up. Teach me how to be open. Teach me how to be vulnerable. Teach me how to get what is around me inside of me because I don't want to live my whole life in an ocean and die of thirst. I don't want to live in the middle of a move of God and see what God is doing. I've just had four nights watching the Acts churches gather. People every night driving multiple hours. There's a hunger to gather. There's a hunger in the room. There's a willingness to obey. But I want to promise you, it's a waste to come all the way and be closed. Just learn to open up. Just learn to open up and say, Father, I don't know what this means, but I just want to open up. God will never deny someone who opens his heart. He knocks on the door because he's a gentleman, but you got to open the door. If we don't learn to open our hearts, Zacchaeus not only said, see, Zacchaeus could have gone, you're not coming to my house. You don't understand. I've stolen a lot of things. So can't we just meet at the bottom of the tree and talk this out? (laughs) Say what you want to say here. And then I'll just, you know, just like, let's just meet in the foyer. No, he opened his house. 
And maybe some of you have opened your house for e-groups. Well run. Maybe some of you have opened your hearts to allow people in. When you've been hurt, when you've been violated, when you've been betrayed, when bad things have happened to you, there's a normal tendency to close. We can still gather. It'll eventually kill our hunger, but we can even do all of the actions. But there's something about openness that just draws God in. It just draws God in. It just draws God in. And finally, He responds. He responds. In fact, we can have the worship team back. He responds. He, he responds. You know, you know I, I, every message I preach, anywhere in the world, doesn't matter which country I'm in, I always like to lead it to a place of response. And it doesn't always have to be a big altar call or a long service. But there's nothing worse than hearing the word and never responding. There's something about response that ultimately changes you. So here we have Zacchaeus. He starts out as a crook. He's thinking, do I rip off Mrs. Smith or do I go to the Jesus parade? Oh no, I'll go to the Dunedin thing. There's something good happening there. All right, I'll go there. Didn't change his life, but he was there. Then he goes, I feel short. I feel inadequate. You know what? I'm going to hunger. In a few minutes, we're going to worship. I want to encourage you. You're here, but hunger after God. Forget about the person on your left or right. After the meeting, remember them. But in this moment, you've got one objective. God, I want an encounter from you. I'll climb the tree, I'll do whatever I can. If I get on my knees, I'll stand up, I'll sit, I'll do whatever. I just want your attention, God, and climb the tree. And then guess what? He learns to listen to the prompting of God. He says, come down now. And he, he, he does an about face. He almost risks his reputation. He gets off the very thing he climbed up and then he opens his house, he opens his heart, and then finally he opens his wallet and he responds in a tangible way. And he says, anyone I've stolen from, fourfold will I give back. And half of my goods I'm going to give to the poor wow from crook to philanthropist just a series of steps I'm going to gather I'm going to hunger God help me to obey, give me the courage to obey you every step of the way teach me to open my heart God where it's been closed, where I've been hurt where I've never had it modeled for me what it's like, I want to open my heart See, that tonight I feel like that's, that, that's a point for some people here that stuff has happened and you've locked it up. But you love God enough to gather. And you're even willing to somehow put some sort of hunger on display. But, but I want to encourage you that the Lord tonight will come in where there's openness and where there's response. He ultimately does something. He, he, he tangibly in his heart chooses to respond. And, and we don't know that he's actually given away the money yet. And Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to save and to seek that which was lost. An encounter for one man who that day became his name. That day he became his name. You know, there's a, there, maybe tonight's the night you become your name. And, and for some of us, we already, we did that. We've gathered, there's already a hunger in the room. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you about something. If we had time, I could keep you here for hours telling you crazy stories of some of the wild things I've done. And it's not that wild compared to people who've lost their lives. But it was wild for me, a, a scared, shy, conservative person who didn't like making too much noise. Things that just seemed a little out there but just in my attempt to find God to obey God and then say Lord if I missed you I just open my heart to you I just want to make it 
a life goal at every gathering I'm in. This weekend I've been in, this week I've been in three or four already. Every gathering I'm in, I want to open my heart and I want to respond. I want every meeting to be a point of response. You know, one of the prayers I pray is, Father, give me something to repent about tonight. Not repent as in I need a new sin so I can say sorry, but God, show me areas of my heart that I need to yield, that I don't even realize I've closed. Maybe a leader in the last setting hurts you or somebody in your family has messed you around or you're feeling the disappointment of an unanswered prayer or something has shut down your hunger. We've gathered, but right now the Lord wants to touch people. He really does. He wants to touch people. But He's not going to force anybody to do anything. You have an invitation to respond. See, the enemy will try all sorts of strategy to shut down your hunger. Hunger does not mean you have to yell loudly. Sometimes it does. Hunger means just an absolute focus for the inclusion, the involvement of God in every area of who you are. There's a next step for every person in this room. There's a next step for every person in this room. Even if you're in the elder bracket, Sometimes we think it's about the next generation. I said this last night. It's not about the next generation. It's about the next step for every generation. Every generation has a next step. You're never too old for your next step. Caleb was 85 when he said, give me this mountain. Abraham was in his 90s when God said, I'm ready to use you. There are people in our church in their 80s who've moved cities to be a part of what God's doing. In their 80s, I'm like, you should be retiring and staying where you are. People, that you're never too old for your next step. A friend of mine, his dad passed away recently and he was telling me the story about how his dad on his deathbed, could, his feet were so swollen, he couldn't walk. He literally couldn't take a next step, but he was leading the nurses to Christ. Even on his last step, he was taking his next step. There's a next step for every person in this room. You're not too old. You're not too young. And Jesus is passing through and he's looking for the hungry. He's looking for the obedient. He's looking for the open. He's looking for the responsive. Can we all stand to our feet right now? I specifically want to pray. I'm gonna, I'll turn over to Pastor Sam in a few minutes and We've just done this all week where he just begins to lead the response, but I'm just going to give what's in my heart. See, the touch of God is here, but it's the open that receive. It's the open. Come on, just open. Just open your hearts to God. There are people tonight and um, the enemy has stifled your hunger. You're loyal. You're loyal. You're obedient. You're faithful, in fact. You're faithful. But if you're really honest, the days of climbing sycamore trees seem long gone. And I don't mean physically, I just mean that first love, desperation, that hunger, and yet it's that which draws the encounter. The enemy will throw anything he can to suppress your appetite and kill your hunger. He'll throw pills in your direction. 
And yet tonight, I believe the Lord, like that day in Luke 19, wants to bring salvation to people's houses. He wants to bring revival to people's lives. And and you came this far to have an encounter. And if you know that you need to respond to the Lord tonight in one of those areas, I don't know what area, I want to encourage you. We're a family here. But I want you to activate this in some form of response. Maybe you know that you feel like your hunger is lost and you can't even remember the last time you responded to an altar call. Or maybe you respond all the time and now it's an act of obedience. The Lord has been nagging away at something specific. And you love the Lord, but you're nervous about the outcome of your obedience. I want to encourage you, have the courage to obey God. He will reward you. He will reward you. Maybe it's an openness issue. It's like, God, I just wanna, I wanna surrender this issue. I'm not gonna idolize it anymore. I leave it at your feet and I just wanna declare, God, I'm open for you, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's a responsiveness, but everybody tonight can respond. So even as the worship team in a moment begin to sing, if you know that's you, it's between you and the Lord. I want you as a sign of your response just to get out of your seat and actually just make your way to this front and let's fill this entire altar. Pretend this is the sycamore tree right here. Pretend this is the sycamore tree. It's just a prophetic act, but it's a sign that says, God, I'm serious. I didn't just come to the Jesus parade. I'm here to receive something. I need a touch from you. Whatever it is, even as they begin to worship, you begin to respond. You begin to respond. It's God you're responding to. It's Jesus you're responding to. Get hungry for him tonight. He loves you. He loves Dunedin. Come on, you respond as we sing. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.